What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita. We are back here on Monday, May 15th. Hard to believe we're almost in June. We're halfway through the month of May. And we had a big-time episode a couple weeks ago. People loved it so much, so we brought the guests back. Survivor winner, uh, pageant queen, Long-time yep. sports media personality, host, uh, NFL wife, Danny Boatwright, welcome back. Hey, how are you? I'm great. Um, I'm even better now that you're back. Thanks for having me back. But you know what's funny? I'm broadcasting live from my mobile office today. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you have to get out of the house because even though my kids are at school, like my husband's a very big presence, right? So he can be really loud. I'm like, we walks through the room. It's like an earthquake. I'm like, can you just try to be soft? You know, but when I guess you're what, 260 pounds, you know, it's <laughs> he's an NFL <laughs> center kind of hard. And I'm like, he'll come home usually from the day doing stuff, you know, right about the time we're kind of wrapping up podcast and he's just not quiet. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, we're going to go to the mobile office. So I have to go to car loop and pick up the kids, which you said we're in the middle of May. We have a week and a half of school left, and that's like oh my gosh. Okay, Jack, let me tell you because you don't have kids, right? Okay, not yet. Not that's... that I know of. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, it, any parent out there listening, okay, would totally get this. Like it's bittersweet. Like you look forward to, you know, having summers. You know, your mornings aren't as crazy. You know, getting kids up and out, or you know, in the evenings doing homework. You have a break from all of that. But like I'm okay with that after a week, and then I'm ready. I like like spring break is good, and I'm ready <laughs> back to school because what I mean what, they fight all the time, and I have nice good kids, but I want to tell you they fight, they fight with each other, they fight with us, you know, they'll talk back, and I just get tired of it. And they're like, what 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 are we gonna eat? Well, you know what? You're 15 and 12. Y'all can fix yourself a grilled cheese. <laughs> you're fine, okay? And you're also old enough to entertain yourselves, so. <laughs> Get out of the house. Go run sprints uphill or something. I mean, get, do something. So I'm excited for someone to get here, but also I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. And Casey just disappears during the day. So it all lands on me. So. <laughs> That's anyway. funny because when I was between that age, 12 and 15, it was like, take your bike and just go wherever you want and hang out with your friends. Yeah, right. Yeah. Same. I mean, that's what yeah. we did. The world's a different place in general. But it's just interesting because back in the day, yeah, we truly, when they say you're sun up to sunset, like you're gone out with your friends, riding bikes, just go, you know, whatever, you know, just what you just, you don't do that now. And your parents don't hear from you all day. Like, you know, it's fine. Now I'm tracking mine on Life 360. They're tracking me on Life 360. Um, <laughs> it's just a different time. It's interesting. So that is interesting. Yeah. For us, it was like, since, you know, here I am in Wilmette, little north of Chicago. Just go to the beach all the time. I still yeah. do that all the time. It's, it's a five-minute car ride to the beach. So you get dropped off of the beach. You hang out with your friends. Or maybe you bike over there. Or we would just kind of round up, you know, pick up basketball or baseball or soccer or football, whatever. And that was kind of what we did. It's it's sad to hear that that's not what they do these days. Yeah. You know, we I lived out in the country in Tonganoxie, Kansas. And we had probably... I don't know, maybe it was like about 10 acres around our house, okay? And in our front yard, we mowed a baseball field. So we actually had a whole field out there and we had the bases out, everything. So every day 
we were playing, you know, baseball or kickball or something with all the neighbor kids like all day long. You would have thought I would have been a D1 softball player with like all the <laughs> baseball I played with the boys and like, girl, oh, no, I still wasn't any good. Um, but uh, yeah, that was, it was fun. It was fun times. It's different. Um, it's just different. It's different. So by the way, can you see the back of my car? Like all the like seats and the wagon and. Yeah. What's the back there? I sort of cleaned it out. We're at the ballpark all weekend, as you know. <laughs> Uh-oh, we lost you. Yeah, my friend was calling, so it was causing it. Um, I have, like, 26. I have a baseball bag back there. I have chairs. I have a wagon. I did take the cooler in and got all the food inside. But um, the hand sanitizer, my husband was one of those during COVID that he, like, was freaking out and got like all the hand sanitizer he could. I was like, oh, okay, so we still have it, so I'm gonna go donate it. Is it still good? But 26 bottles. Like, oh just, my gosh! Just wash your hands, you'll be okay. All right. <laughs> that reminds me of the. Do you ever watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? Yes. Yes. Yeah. The the COVID hoarder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, and the funny thing is too, we, uh, we, um, my husband's a partner and it's like a grocery chain. Okay. It's a small town kind of grocery store chain. So you're going to be able to get the toilet paper. You're going to be able to get the hand sanitizer. Just, you know, whatever. It's kind of funny. <laughs> and like, just wash your hands. You'll be fine. You know? yeah. But, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's so, like, what's in Danny's car. That should be like a segment, <laughs> you know, every time. A part, so portion you, of this. You had an eventful weekend with all the sports, huh? Gosh. Okay. Let's, I don't even know where to begin. All right. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you a funny story, but let let me tell you all that was in the weekend. So we had on Friday, I had spent the entire day because from in Kansas, probably the same with you guys up in Illinois, it goes from spring to summer, right? Like, I'm sorry, from winter to summer, there's no spring you maybe get two days of like spring weather okay so it immediately jumps into summer weather and on friday um my oldest son was going to have a pool party for his uh baseball team desoto high school and so it's like fine so friday i spent the entire day outside cleaning like the pool the cabana getting everything set up so they have this big pool party outside and doing a lot of yard work because it just all of a sudden like had to be done and i spent outside all day cleaning and working and then everybody showed up the kids were wonderful such good respectful young men um had a great time they had a um our son had the pool party and then i left now i left somebody there in charge okay i didn't just leave all these teenagers by themselves in the wild pool party i had to leave at nine o'clock at night to go to my youngest son's baseball game like what 12 year old baseball starts at nine o'clock at night jack (laughs) that's crazy yeah I think my brother, my brother had one. It was like you play one night game the whole summer, and it was late at night under the lights. It'd be like, well, but it'd be nine o'clock in like July because that's when it would be dark. Yeah. So like well, that's weird, especially in May. Well, and it was nine o'clock at night, and normally we, I mean, we have night games, but nothing like like that usually you can kind of go into that time frame, but not a start time at nine. It was really, really different. So anyway. We had that game, and then the next day, we had a whole bunch of grad parties on Saturday, plus two more baseball games. 
And then on Sunday, I got up early, went to my nephew's graduation at KU, and then had to hightail it from Lawrence to Kansas City for a baseball game. And we had three baseball games on Sunday. So I didn't get done until Sunday night with like, you know, the whole weekend. So I spent three days outdoors, you know, the whole time just, um, just, you know, and so I got a little bit of a sore throat today from all the pollen in the air and stuff. So anyway, it was a long weekend, but let me tell you about what happened in this game. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. This is youth baseball we're talking about. They're 12 U. All right. I'm just going to set the scene for you. Stone Cold, that's what I call my son Stone, Stone Cold. <laughs> His team, um, they're 12 U major, okay, which is the highest level you can play in youth sports, all right? Major, so it goes uh, single, or sorry, I think single A, double A, triple A major, all right? And in the state of Kansas, there's only like, you know, a couple of uh, major teams. And so that's why they do a lot of travel because you have to get teams kind of all around uh, that you know, so you're not playing the same two teams every weekend, right? So for us, we play a lot of Nebraska, Iowa. Um, we'll get some Colorado. Um, so anyway, we'll, you know, Oklahoma. So we play a lot of those teams. Anyway, this weekend, we play a team that we had never faced before. They were 11U team, and they were really good, and they were playing up in 12U major this weekend, which happens we've done that before with our team. Anyway, we should have beat them handedly, but we were horrible. Like, first of all, I had four kids out with some injuries. Um, so we had to kind of bring in some kids. So it was just going to be a little bit of an off weekend anyway. I'm telling you, it was like we forgot how to play the game. And it was just awful. And things were unraveling. It was just really bad. And so whatever. Parents weren't worked up. We have a really great team, great parents. Nobody's, we're just whatever. It just was a bad game. It's only pool play, one bracket play, whatever. Okay. So at the end of this game, once this other team beat us, and when we rallied back, we had a chance to, to win it in the bottom of the last inning and just didn't happen. One of the dads for the other team, now mind you, we're 12U, they're 11U, okay? He comes running up to the fence and he's like, yeah, towards our kids, 11U, like rubbing it into our kids that we're younger and we just, you know, we just beat you. Totally rude disrespectful and none of our parents would ever think anything of you know anything they're very very level-headed but i have a problem when you disrespect kids not not even if it's just my kid or my team but any kid like it's youth baseball it should be fun they should enjoy themselves even in the wins and the losses they need to learn from it they need to learn teamwork and camaraderie and all the things that are important to learn and establish at a young age. And I feel like as a society in general, we have just, we have, we have destroyed that. Okay. Because they make it about the parents rather than about the kids. And this guy does that. And Jack, I just blurted out. Well, I said, at least we have class, you a-hole. <laughs> My Whoops. mom was like, oh. Daddy. And I was like, well, that's disrespectful. And I would have done that if it had been any team. If I would have saw anyone do that to another kid. See, like, you don't do that. So then I was just kind of looking at him the whole time. I was so mad. They start walking over to leave. And this guy's wife, who's like this, you know, big softball player looking chick, you know, walks over to me thinking she's going to intimidate me. She does Power hitting softball player. Yeah. I'm like, and I looked, 
I had space buns in my hair. I come from a graduation party. So I had space buns, a little sundress on. All right. And I'm just standing there looking there, looking like a little, you know, little princess. And she thought she was going to intimidate me. And my other oh, team, they're like, oh, crap, because they know I'm not at all what I look like. Okay. And which is one reason why I did so well in Survivor the first time. Too, right? <laughs> yeah. Not the skinny girl, the tall skinny girl, whatever. <laughs> anyway, she walks over thinking she's going to intimidate me. She walks over. She goes, do you have a problem? And I stood right up and I said, I sure do. And she, <laughs> she's like calling people an a-hole. And I go, well, when you act like one, I'm going to call you one. And I said, and she's like, well, that's just, a, um, a, I can't remember what exactly she said. And I go, well, here's the thing. You do realize you started that, right? And she's walking up to me asking me if I have a problem. And I said, you're asking me if I have a problem. You're the one that started that, first of all. Second of all, I'm going to say that whether it's my team or somebody else's team, if you disrespect a kid or a young youth team out here trying to enjoy their weekend, I have a problem with it. And I mean, it just <laughs> shut her up. And then the guy who yelled it, which was her husband or I, you know, baby daddy, whatever, I don't know. And um, he says, walking off, he's like, um, he's like, yeah, well, good. Because since we lost, we had to play another game. Okay. And he was like, well, yeah, have fun playing the rest of the day, like rubbing it in that they won. They didn't have to play again. And we were stuck in the heat and humidity for the day. And I said, um, yeah, I said, well, good luck to you in bracket play. Hope you don't face us again. I mean, I was just, Jack, it was bad. It was so bad. And guess who we faced the very next day? That, that same team. Yeah. And guess what? <laughs> we won 12 to nothing. Let's go. We, yeah, we remembered how to play. I mean, those boys just, they were, we were on point, phenomenal. Bats were on fire. I mean, it was just, anyway, and their coach came up to our coach and said, gosh, we haven't been beat like that for, you know, like, I, he goes, I don't think we've ever been beat like that. And our coach said, well, you did kind of awake a sleeping giant <laughs> after when parents made that comment. And, um, yeah, and I think our boys all knew they better not come home if they don't win that game, right, the next day. So, no, they did great. And it was fun. And, of course, we said nothing. We said absolutely nothing to them. We won and just, you know, got ready for the next game. And we ended up going to the championship game, um, and we won. And the funny thing is my son pitched the championship game, and this son is not a pitcher, okay? He's like, once you've used up all your pitching, you, you bring in you bring in Stone, okay? Um, Stone plays right field, sometimes first base, and he's not a real consistent hitter. Now, when he does hit, watch out because he's he's he can he can knock it out there. He's hit a couple out of the park home runs, but we struggle with consistency. But anyway, he's not he's not a pitcher, but he can give you some innings, right? He's fine. And he had to pitch a championship game. He walks up to me, he goes, "Mom, I'm pitching the championship game." And I'm so nervous. I said, that that's good. That means your adrenaline's going. Okay. You want that. And um, and then he said, Call, call Bo. That's my older son. He said, Call Bo, make sure he's watching on Game Changer. I said, Okay, we got it. I said, Hey, just go out there, have fun, let your let your defense work, okay? Because he doesn't he, he's got to work on his velocity so they can they can really hit those balls coming soft over the plate, right? And uh and the defense was on point. And actually, because he was kind of off speed compared to what the other the team had faced all day the it the slower uh, velocity like really threw him off and he pitched great and they won um 10 to 5 so he did all right stone that's did. great job. the defense they were on point had his back and we got we get we got business taken care of so did he have anything yeah. to say to you after your confrontation 
<laughs> so he heard that parent, but he didn't hear me. He was in the dugout. They had oh, no okay. idea. I think he might have heard me yell that because I'm pretty sure. And then Casey said to Stone, because he said later on, he goes, um, I think your mom just uh, got in a, almost got in a fight. <laughs> so, uh, oh, boy. I mean, they I, do know that I'm sassy, but I just was, you just, I, I hate it when people mistreat kids. Watch out. Watch out. You just gave like Us Magazine or Cheat Sheet Biz or one of these sites that covers <laughs> reality TV a headline. Former yep. Survivor winner almost gets in fight at youth yep. baseball game. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it will happen at some point. <laughs> I had one time there was a guy. I don't know if I told you this before, but um, my, young, uh, my oldest son, it was when he was quite a bit younger and he was playing uh, third base. And the, the, the game was real intense. It was very close. And he made a play at third. And it was close. And they um, they called the kid out. And this parent was yelling over where my son is at third. I saw it. He missed the tag. He's blah, 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 blah. Just rattling all this stuff. And my son's in tears because he was like maybe third grade. Okay. Or whatever. He thought he sent him the wrong. This guy's going nuts. And I'm over off the first base, uh, first base line. And I'm standing next to Casey. And it just flew out of me. I go, shut up, I'm gonna kick your ass. And it's like, and there's one little kid that dug out, looked around because I just don't I don't swear and I'm different. But again, when it comes to kids, and then I ducked behind Casey. It's just like oh, behind me, you're on your own there. Wow, wow. Like I'm the dude was huge. Like I'm really gonna get, you know, I guess the same thing with this lady. I thought maybe I could probably outrun them. That probably would happen. But I'd have to, I'd have to duck at the first swing, or I'd have to throw the first punch, and then Tommy Morrison <laughs> get out of there. You know, remember when he fought George Foreman and he wore him out by, you know, running around in the yeah. ring or whatever? That's what I would have had to do. Try to catch. <laughs> so, anyway. It was crazy. Yes, and it was just a busy weekend. But um, I was a little, little mouthy, and um, yeah, I'm not proud of that. But it was a funny story. I guess it's a great story. A lot of rides. Day, this so. concludes this week's edition of Youth Sports <laughs> with Danny. Unless there's more, I mean. <laughs> no, but I'm going to tell you, anybody who has kids in youth sports, they get it. They know. They see everything. And, oh, man, it's just nuts. So, Well, th this is a good spot. Part, Jack, I didn't get to take snacks this week. I always take myself, not the team. I load up my cooler with, like, the best snacks and I have my folding chairs out. I mean, I'm eating good, watching the game, enjoying it. But because I was running and gunning to all these graduation parties and graduations, I didn't have any food. I was hungry. I was having PTSD from, like, Survivor starving. <laughs> so, I don't like that. What's anyway. the snack cooler look like? Like, orange slices, beef jerky, like? Yeah, so, um, I love beef jerky. Um, so, I usually have... Chopsticks. Um, and <laughs> Um, well, what I have themes usually, usually. Okay. So one theme, I had this little portable, um, s'mores, a uh, little light that, you know, you flame that you can light up and would make s'mores at the ballpark. Wow. Why not? How cool is that? Uh, yeah. Another one was, um, high tea. So I brought, my mom had, this is when it was a little cooler out and she had a hot tea and I had a bunch of like macarons, macaroons, macaroons, whichever the ones are, they're colorful that are around that with like little cheesecakes and you know all sorts of little high tea treats um and then sometimes it's just a hodgepodge of you know pickles i'll have cheese and crackers more of a charcuterie type you know thing lots of fresh fruit 
Um, and then if you're really there a long time, I'll see how much it is and all that for, you know, the kids, but chips, I mean, I load it up and all the little kids, little siblings know to come over to Miss Danny because <laughs> yes. I always have gummy bear, all sorts of fun stuff and feed them all. And we have a really good time. That's how you do it, Jack, right there. Absolutely. That sounds fun. So, all right, time for me to I'm give a little you talk now, Jack. I've been talking all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. I'm just going to say, if you like youth sports, people, you guys should check out. We did a fun episode with Stephanie, also from Danny's season of first season of Survivor, Stephanie LaGrosa Kendrick. And Stephanie's been on this show seven times total now. So people who listen to the show regularly know she's on it a lot. We did an episode with her nephew, Philip LaGrosa, whose team got to the regional championship game for Tom's River East Little League. And they almost, they were one game away from the Little League World Series. So we did a whole like hour and a half just talking youth sports with him. It was a great time. Oh, how fun. Yeah, I'm sure it had some good stories. Yeah, so check it out. Okay, (laughs) I'll I'll share from my weekend because I had a pretty eventful weekend as well. So... Again, for people who've listened to this show, or maybe if you watch some reality TV, the story shouldn't be too foreign uh, to you. But if you're a Survivor fan who's just listening to the show for first or second time, you just started listening. Um, Jessica McCain France was on The Real World Portland. She was on four seasons of The Challenge on MTV. And she's been on this show. She's become a, a very dear friend of mine. And her, she met her husband about four years ago when he was just some minor league baseball player in a ball in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. And they were just like, she basically abandoned her life as a chef and kind of doing some of the public appearance stuff with reality TV, but she had, she had phased out of that, but she met her husband, JP. Now they've been together now for four years. They got married and now they have a baby and JP she, she gave up her entire life to be with him, to support him. And if anyone knows anything, the minor league baseball Ooh. life is a grind. It's not, it's yep. not very glamorous, not a lot yeah. of money. Jess is working full-time as a mom, working remote. And then JP was working in the off-season 40 hours a week at a hunting shop. So JP has also been on this show, and he's also a good friend of mine. And I'm close with them both. And JP came on in January. It was a very popular episode. But what was cool was a week ago, the Astros had... This is the the downside to the story. Two of their pitchers, Luis Garcia and Jose Urquidy, got injured in back-to-back days. Garcia needs Tommy John surgery. And Urquidy could also be out for a long period of time. JP got called up two weeks less than two weeks ago he made his major league debut in seattle not this weekend but the weekend before that five scoreless innings pitched a gem the astros ended up losing however when he came out of the game this past weekend he made his second career start in chicago so i was able to go and i got a picture here this is me and jess if you guys can see on here on if you're watching this there's me and jess we went to the game we had a great time i sat with her and jp's family i picked up jess and her baby liam from the airport uh dropped them off at the team hotel and then dropped them off at the airport again yesterday so um jp 
He pitched in the seventh inning, only allowed one run. It was on a mistake pitch. He gave up one home run that Luis Robert just crushed. Other than that, he he was near flawless, uh, only allowed three hits, I believe, and he picked up his first career win. So that was uh, my uh, great story from the weekend. Awesome. That is awesome. What a neat story. That's really cool. And, and I mean, they have to be just elated. That's a dream come true. Had he, had he pitched, he hadn't pitched in the majors at all. That was the first time he got called up, right? Yeah. So that was the first time okay. he got called up. And then this was his second oh my start. Gosh. What a moment. What five, a moment for him. Danny, he's 28. He spent five years in the minors. He's a 14th wow. round pick. He spent five years in college baseball. How's that for a story? That moment. I mean, how amazing. And that his son got to be there too. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah. And he, uh, baby Liam, I think he's like, let's see, he's about four months old now, I think. And Liam is becoming a big fan favorite on Twitter, as is Jess. Jess has done several interviews. She's had stories written about them. They're a great couple. Um, uh-huh. And they've been able to talk about their relationship with Christ through all of this and how God has guided them and they've remained patient on waiting on the Lord. But Liam, the reason why people love Liam is JP has a big, big mustache. And Liam has a pacifier with a fake little mustache on top of the pacifier. Stop it. How cute. (laughs) I love that. That's awesome. So that was... That was my weekend. We had a great time. And uh, good news is JP's pitching well. Looks like he's going to be staying in this rotation for at least a little bit and be pitching next week in Milwaukee. So I'm going to go up and see him in Milwaukee. Oh, awesome. That is great. You know, it reminds me of, I think we talked a little bit before about Ben Zobra's uh, story and how he was, I mean, just overlooked, right? All throughout, you know, in high school, going to college, he wasn't recruited by anyone yeah, all of that nazarene worked, university yeah and then worked his way up was at dallas baptist and and then he did get drafted but he spent time in the minors and he talks about that in his book about how you know it was such a grind and a, a struggle and he finally got called up <clears throat> and it didn't go very well for him he got sent back down and how he went through this awful depression and thought about quitting and but he just stayed encouraged and um you know, kept at it for a little bit longer. And then look what happened. He gets called back up and you know, he's winning world series with the Royals. He's winning world series with the Cubs. He's, you know, breaking the curse there in, in Chicago. And he's like a big deal. And he's MVP. I mean, it's just an amazing story of, you know, cause so many people feel deflated. So many people feel defeated and like discouraged and about to give up on their dreams. And if they are like, that's a really great story um, to look at because he was in that spot. And if he had, he would have never had his dream become a reality. So um, it's just a really neat story. I love Ben Zobris. We talk about him all the time um, at our house because he's uh, the boy's favorite, all-time favorite uh, baseball player. So He's a great choice. And yeah, I think a lot of people forget that that was Ben Zobris' story because I remember in 2008 when the Rays had that first year where – they made the postseason first time in franchise history, and they had this like just kind of group of misfit toys that came together and won the division under Joe. Or I don't know, they might not have won the division that year. I can't remember, but they made the playoffs. I think yep. they did win the division. I can't. Did uh, they? Was the that Yankees. I know the Yankees missed it, so it was either them or the Red Sox. 
And then they played each other in the ALCS. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, but I remember watching, you know, this is something that happens every year in baseball. So you get these feel-good stories and you start to think, when's this going to end? Because right now, mm -hmm. Pittsburgh Pirates, two weeks ago in my power rankings, I had them as the second or third best team. And now they'd probably be back in the middle of pack because they lost seven straight games. They're back to kind of being closer to 500 when they were 12 games above 500 just a couple weeks ago. But when you have these feel-good stories, sometimes you just wait, like, how long is this going to last? And right. I remember watching Baseball the Night that year, and the Rays are just in first place. And it's just like, this keeps going and going and going. And I remember watching it in June or July. And I remember them talking about this Ben Zobris guy. He's just, who is this guy? Like, what? how, if they can get contributions out of guys like Ben Zobrist at the time... <laughs> It's like this guy's playing shortstop. He's playing all over the field. And there have been some utility players before, but he really became kind of like a, a face of what a utility player looks like, especially as a switch yep. hitter. So, yeah, he carved out a role yeah. for himself very nicely. Well, and then when he came to Kansas City, and, you know, we were so thirsty for winning anything, right? Winning a winning season. Uh you know, we were just such an underdog story. It's amazing. But so it just was a perfect fit for him. And then to come in and just be freaking amazing, you know, in Kansas City and helping us win a World Series here. I'm going to tell you what, this place was nuts during the playoffs and the World Series. I mean, because we hadn't won with the Chiefs, it had been since 69, uh, right? And they had Super Bowl won four, yet. right? Okay. Yeah. They were, yeah, they, a long time and then the Royals had been since 85 that we had won and you just kind of expected every year eh, you know we just go enjoy a few games and you know, whatever just don't expect the team to do anything and so when they started making the run the first the first World Series and of course we were you know made it made it to the World Series and lost them won the second one but anyway it just was such an exciting time and I can't even begin to tell you how much money we made off Kansas City shirts at that point because you couldn't press them fast. So people would buy anything with the Kansas City on it or, you know, blue and white. And it was just electric. And of course, it's in the fall. So everybody's pumpkins that we decorate and put out were all Royals themed. Everything was Royals. People had blue lights on their house. Like it was just such an incredible run. And what's so exciting about baseball to me during the playoffs, if your team is in it, is because it is so many games where the Super Bowl, yeah, it's amazing and it's a big hyped up one game. But in the World Series and just the playoffs, you have so many games. So it's just so exciting for a long period of time. So much more fun. So much fun. I love baseball. Baseball's <laughs> the best. I know it stinks right now that the Royals aren't good, but sorry, go ahead. Well, you know, well, I've, I've been there many times with the Royals. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not a bandwagon fan. I still stick with them through it. Um, I'm also, I, I'm a Royals fan through and through. Like, that's my team. But I also enjoy the Dodgers because we have so many ties to the Dodgers, their family, because my family is out in L.A. and they have that dream center. And they work with a lot of the Dodgers, uh, work with the Dodgers organization. They've always been so generous and so wonderful. So we have that. Plus, I grew up going to Dodger games when I was little, too, when we'd go out to visit family in California. So, you know, I have a lot of good memories there. But I'm a Royals girl. And, you know, it, it's going to be a rough year. But. We're used to that. Who knows? Maybe next year they just break out and have a freak season and we find ourselves back in the World Series hunt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think hey, it's going to happen next year, but yeah. Listen, you would have never thought it would have happened back in you know 2014 either. True. So. <laughs> yeah. 
That's a good point. It's baseball. You yeah. know what I think was so interesting about those Royals teams? And by the way, like a vast majority of the players on that team no longer in Major League Baseball. I mean, it's been yeah. eight years, but a lot of these guys mm-hmm. are gone, which is, you know, unfortunate. I mean, yeah. some of them are still around. But what I thought was so interesting about that team is I know a lot of people like to give maybe the Cleveland Indians and the Tampa Bay Rays and some other teams credit for bullpenning, but really the first version of it. Now, granted they weren't Kansas city wasn't using an opener where they were going to start the game with a relief pitcher, but their strategy was let's just get five innings out of our starting pitcher. The pitching rotation really wasn't great past Johnny Cueto. So, but then you had this lockdown bullpen of Greg Holland, Kelvin Herrera, Wade Davis, Ryan Madsen. Yep. I'm looking at their bullpen right now. Uh, and then I think they also had it, uh, Willie Peralta, too, I think. Yeah, but it's funny because Cueto, he was not even there. We were talking about starters the year before. Yeah, the year before. they we Yeah. We that run, which was when we won that uh, wild card game in Kansas City. It was louder than Arrowhead Stadium when that happened. I just have to tell you, that's how exciting. I mean, I, I, I've never seen anything like it. It was so awesome to be part of. But anyway, yeah, no, they just, they didn't, they didn't have that superstar lineup, but they did have a great bullpen. Yes. Yep. They yep. had, instead of Cueto, they had. The... Sorry. No, you go ahead. You're good. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, instead of Cueto, they had big game James Shields that year. And he was amazing yes. for them yes. that year. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Was it Ben Zobers? Was it in Kansas City or somewhere where he actually came in and pitched? I think it was Kansas City. <laughs> and I was like, he's a true utility player, right? <laughs> you know, you're giving up on the game, though, when you're bringing in guys who are not, you know, it's not like Little League where everybody gets to pitch and you get brought in, you know. But anyway. Do you like funny. seeing position players pitch? <laughs> Oh, I love it. You don't? It, it's No, I love it too. I think it's like last year or coming into this year, like Major League Baseball, they started putting these weird rules where it's like you can only use a position player if it's your team's up six runs or it's like – or if your team's down ten runs or – it's like they have these okay. weird – I don't understand why that's a problem for anybody. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Like when Pujols pitched last year – like they run that on, I got the MLB.tv and they do those commercial breaks where it's like a flashback to a fun moment from last season. And that's one of the moments. And now they make it, it's like, they don't want that to happen. I don't understand why that it just gets me heated, Danny. (laughs) Too much governance. I I agree. I mean, I would have liked to understand the thinking behind that because what's the big deal, you know? And I just so saw a bunch of journalists. There were a bunch of journalists last year that were like, I'm over position players pitching. It's not cute. It's not fun or whatever. And I think they just like totally answered to people who wrote that. And I'm a journalist yeah. and I feel the exact opposite. Opposite. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it's kind of fun. I think it's funny seeing them come in. And there it's was hilarious. A, now, this is in college baseball. Uh, a couple weeks back, a Ole Miss player position player came in and pitched for him and they were making fun of him they they interviewed all his teammates afterwards you know what did you think about this and that and they're they're just having a heyday with it but like the, the kid who had pitched 
he says at the end, he's like, well, I might not be able to wipe my butt tomorrow, but it was fun <laughs> that because his arm, obviously, he was going to be so sore because he wasn't conditioned to pitch, you know? So <laughs> people don't realize how sore you get from that, especially I mean, even if you are seasoned, you're still getting sore. But having my oldest son does pitch, um, uh, you know, he, he is a pitcher. The other one, you know, he comes in, like I explained, occasionally, sometimes. Um, and you know, how they have to really take care of that arm, ice that arm, heat that arm, you know, go in and get therapy on it and just everything to keep it healthy. And just even when you are in shape and season, how sore it gets. And that's why as a parent, you really have to be careful. Um, luckily, Casey, my husband's very knowledgeable. And so he really can be on top of Bo not pitching too much and making sure that some coaches out there would just use kids up. And it's sad all the injuries you see so young to these kids arms and fortunately our both our boys have been with some you know really knowledgeable coaches that hasn't been an issue but we've seen it with a lot of kids and it's crazy how they use these kids up so young and it's amazing to me how many injuries you see so young and then to see guys make it to the major level and have so many years pitching I'm like how do you do that how do you do that because it's just like your your body isn't going to take it well, Danny, you bring up something that I find very interesting from Major League Baseball recently is we, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but what it seems to be an uptick in the amount of injuries to starting pitchers thus far in the season. And mm -hmm. my belief as to why we're seeing so many injuries right now is because this role of what a starting pitcher had been for a hundred years has changed because of the bullpenning strategy of let's have this guy only throw five innings and then he can max out and go uh, max effort, max velocity. And when you're throwing max effort, that's where I believe the injuries are going to happen more yeah. often rather than yeah. if you're pacing yourself to throw a whole nine inning, nine inning game, you're not emptying the tank the way that you would if you know you're only going to, like they do this stuff where it's like, we don't want the starting pitcher to see the lineup the third time through the lineup. So I think that is the reason why we're seeing this. Yeah. I mean, it's just, well, it's amazing to me when I see these guys who have these great pitching careers and are able to stay healthy that long. It's just, and why now here, this is the thing. I love sports and I feel like I'm somewhat knowledgeable just because of being a fan, right? My whole life. But I don't ever want to be with these people who tries to act like, oh, I know what it's like because, you know, I know I've never right. played baseball. I played with my brothers, right? I've never played football. Um, I've just watched a lot. So as a fan and a spectator, I'm always curious, like, what what is it about quarterbacks, okay? And is it is it the throwing motion that they have that you don't see the arm issues that you see, like, in pitchers? Is it because of the mechanics or is it not being used as much? What? Why is that? It's a good question. I think it's a different, it's a different way you're throwing. As you got, when you hold a football, you kind of like, it's more of like an elbow kind of launch type of motion with the, yeah. with the, with the baseball. I think you're using your whole body. Not everyone uses that, but like Tim Lincecum, yeah was such a small guy in order for him to get velocity, he had to basically put everything, every muscle in his body, every ounce of his body into every single pitch that he threw. 
And that's, I mean, it's just a different mechanical movement. But Brock Purdy is yeah. having Tommy John surgery. Right. Which is yeah, rare that, for a quarterback. I was thinking that I was talking about it. Yeah, it's just, that's the thing. It's not like it's unheard of, right? But I, you just don't hear of it like you do with baseball. And I guess, you know, I think back, like, you know, to hearing my son, he's learning to pitch, you know, about the reach back, you know, throw. so I guess, yeah, that maybe there's that more strain on the, you know. The, well, the also another, another thing, Danny, is if you think about it, right now, pitchers are like 100 pitches is you're done after you throw 100 mm -hmm. before that that again you had guys throwing 130 pitches as you know not even more than like a decade ago it really wasn't that long right. ago stephanie's husband kyle kendrick we were talking about this because he just never saw baseball kind of moving it, it was it was surprising to him to see this the way that shifted and how they managed starting pitchers but let's say you throw 80 pitches you throw 80 pitches max effort, or if you're a reliever, and you do that once every five days, or if you're a reliever, you're it's a different it's a different thing because you're entirely emptying the tank and you're pitching multiple days a week, but you're not throwing that many pitches. Whereas with football, you're throwing what 40 passes a game, 50 passes right. a game, and that's only once a week. So that could also be a part of it too. I wonder with like Stephanie's husband, I think now you, you'd probably know this. I think he was a quarterback in high school. Too. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. He played, he played, uh, he loved football. He, lo he played basketball too. I think he was a three sport athlete. Yes. But the reason I, I, I wonder like if he, when he was younger, like, you know, how often he had an arm strain or how often he had any kind of injury as a kid. I'd be curious to know because of all the, pitching and then throwing in you know football and all which basketball i mean you're not going to have you shouldn't have tommy john's or true when it comes to basketball but, something would have uh, to really go wrong too many baseball like yeah. passes like yeah. heaving it down court like that'd be the whole strategy hey, is we're just gonna but, christian leitner every single play but hey if you're in that situation <laughs> kyle on your team that's the, that's the, that's a guy you'd want doing that right yeah. you'd get it right there you'd have the philosophy for it he'd be able to pinpoint it <laughs> watch out anyway um I'd be, I'd be curious to see like what you know if he had a lot of any or any injuries you know youth baseball slash football because i'm sure he was used a lot being an outstanding pitcher and then a football player so uh my husband was not a quarterback or a pitcher so he didn't have any of those <laughs> problems he just you know he never have any he didn't have, he shattered his foot his senior year of college and they said he'd never play again. And he was going to be about a third round draft pick. And they, um, and then that didn't happen because he shattered his foot. And then look, I mean, he obviously ended up playing again and played for 16 years and had this incredible career. Um, but linemen, it's just that repetitive hits and hits and hits, you know. And I think I told you this too. This is not fair. I'm the one with arthritis so bad in my hands. My right foot's messed up. He played in the NFL for 16 years, played in college before that, and then high school, and then youth football. And he is like, fine. <laughs> He's just fine. I'm like, I mean, I'm glad, but I'm like, how does that happen? I'm a distance <laughs> runner over here, and I've got arthritis so bad in my hands, I can hardly like hold a pen. So anyway, sorry. But back, back to baseball. Um, I'd be curious to know that, like, yeah, with Kyle and um, – and, you know, you just you got to encourage parents to stay on their kids and on the coaches to make sure that, you know, 
they're okay. And isn't it interesting, like the different types of pitchers, like you have your guys who can just really throw the fastball and they're throwing, you know, high nineties. And we have a kid who's, it was last year, eighth grade throwing 92 his fastball. Wow. Was. I mean, that's, that's, that's yeah, insane. He already committed to Arkansas, but here's what's funny. Bo pitched, um, gets him the other night and Bo does not throw 90 plus. Okay. But Bo has really great command of his pitches. And so it's interesting. Like when you see those matchups, like you've got the guys that can throw really hard, but then you've got these guys that have so much movement on their ball or, you know, have great guys who have great command of their pitches. Like Zach Granke, I don't think he throws exceptionally hard, but not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's, it, it's funny. It seems like he was just drafted by the Royals years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, it seems like it was yesterday. It was years ago. There were like a couple years there where it was like, when's he going to figure it out? Because he's got this amazing promise and he figured it out. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And it's interesting. um, But here, like not throwing as hard, but because, you know, they can, they can, you know, they have a lot of movement on their ball. It was just funny, the different pitchers and different strategies and how you match up this pitcher against that team. And it's just, it's all like a big chess game. Well, this brings us to, you mentioned your husband, was a, he was a projected third-round pick. And he went undrafted, mm-hmm. right? So yes. w- this reminds me of, well, and we'll, we'll touch on the NFL draft here uh, because it was in Kansas City. But one thing I think is really fascinating with the draft and with the fascination with the NFL Combine, the way people will tune in and watch it every single day and you know, I, I get it. I understand the appeal. It's fun. And if your team isn't very good, you're very hopeful about who are you going to draft. And some teams have those high picks almost every single year. I won't say who. You know who I'm talking about. But <laughs> the thing with the the combine is in, in the way that we assess players, one thing that always kind of feels a little silly to me is – when you look at a player, and especially in the if you're talking about in the first round. So if you're talking about in the first round, you want to draft a quarterback such as an Anthony Richardson who went with the number four overall pick, the Colts are looking at that guy and all the physical tools of what he's capable of doing. And yeah. I get that. But in the yep. first round, if I'm going to commit a first-round pick and I'm going to commit that kind of um, – make that kind of commitment to a player that says you're the future of our franchise. We hope you're a quarterback for the next 15 years. I want a guy who completes passes and did all of those things that you think he can do, but hasn't done it yet. Not so yet. it's like, it's like in Moneyball where Billy Bean says, if he's a good hitter, why doesn't he hit good? Like that's my kind of thing. And the baseball version of that is, okay, this guy throws 100 effortlessly, but he can't find the strike zone. But we're going to teach him command, and he'll be okay. No, I want the guy who throws strikes and has great command and stuff, not the guy who's got the overpowering stuff but can't find the strike zone. You know, it's so interesting, like, talking at the youth level baseball. Okay. And both like both our boys played the major level. I told you, so, you know, ours are not any superstar, but we see some superstars along the way. Right. The guys are like, okay, watch, watch out for this kid. And to hear my husband just talk about different talent and stuff and kids. And one of them, like some of these kids who are throwing 90, but can't last two innings in uh, in a game because they have no control or no command. 
And then you see this kid who does, but hasn't grown yet. Right. He's not quite the size. I'm like, if you were to draft right away, why would you not take that guy? You're like, okay, he's proven this. And you know, he's, he's, he just hasn't grown yet or hasn't got big enough yet to get that boss. But watch out for that kid because once he does, he's going to be trouble for you because he already knows how to pitch. And we, there's one kid that we, um, that my oldest son used to play with. And I remember my husband saying, this is going to be the best pitcher in the area. Eventually now we're kind of seeing that start to happen because the kid had so much movement on his ball, but he just hadn't hit his growth spurt yet. And now he's starting to grow and you're like, oh, wow. All of a sudden he's found himself starting a varsity game as a freshman. And you're like, yep, because that, that kid's getting big, you know, and he, um, he had all the, uh, the tools he just needed to get the size. Anyway, that's so true. And I feel like that's the way with, with the combine. And you and I have talked about that before where so many times they, they, they just put that emphasis on, oh, he runs this and he can bench press that. And he, well, what, what has he done in the game, you know, and what is his personality and his attitude and his, his, um, you know, his demeanor with his teammates and stuff. And is he a good teammate? Because that, that leadership skill is going to take him so much farther than just some guy who has all the speed and all the strength, but no desire and is a terrible teammate, which you've seen so many times that happens. Well, you said it, we, we've talked about this privately and not to like release our private conversation, but <laughs> what you said was, I I'm thought you hit it the nail on the head, but you said the combine measures, arm strength, speed, strength, size, weight, height. It does not measure heart. Yep. That, that was so well said, Danny. Yep. Yep. And that boy, you can't, it's just like somebody who's gritty, right? And the person has grit that just didn't going to quit till they figure it out and get back up. Like that's who I want, you know, that's who I want on my team. I love the movie Moneyball. My oldest son watches that over and over and over again. Cause I'm like, man, he, that, that was his motto. I mean, he took the bunch of guys that had heart and who get on base, right? <laughs> Find a way. Yeah. And it's just so good. Cause that's, that's the way to win. You know, you want to, I'd rather take a team of dirtbags and superstars, right? Because they're going to be gritty and they're they're going to find find their way and they're not afraid to work. Well, the thing with the movie Moneyball that I'm going to have to point out, because if I don't point it out, people are, are going to point out that I didn't point it out, is the fact uh -huh. that they the movie story omits some key pieces of that story with the ace team. It wasn't mm -hmm. just these guys get on base and we can get these guys on the cheap. There was a lot of that. But it wasn't the Scott Hatterberg story that year. It was about who they signed and who they drafted and developed. And Miguel Tejada was the league MVP that year. They that It's funny. Moneyball, the movie, and I say this as someone who it's one of my all-time favorite movies. Mm -hmm. It's it's just funny because there's no mention of the fact that they had the Cy Young and the MVP on their team in mm -hmm. Barry Zito and uh, Miguel Tejada. And then Tim Hudson also won a Cy Young. And they had Mark Mulder. So, and there was no mention of their pitching staff. So it wasn't just the, the, the uh, revolutionary stuff that we saw in the movie. But that was the start of a movement in the sabermetric right. community. And they were really the first team that, that started that trend. Right. But that's not Hollywood, right? Like that's right, not gonna yeah. bring people to. <laughs> it's to, a movie. You want it to be a fun movie, and they they made it the best version of that movie. Because there's a version of that movie if they're trying to make it documentary style, like a true biopic, it mm -hmm. could have been really boring. It could have been really boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But you know, that, that storyline too gives um, a lot of hope to the people too, that are like said, you know, gritty that are out there fighting their way, you know, in, in any, in any uh, professional situation. And I think that's, what's, you know, really cool where sometimes what is it that, uh, what is it? Hard work will beat talent when talent doesn't work hard. You know, that was just kind of the way it was in that movie where you, you, you know, you, you get a bunch of people who've got the heart and look what happens. Absolutely. So there's what's your we favorite on, movie of all time. Oh, great question. I would say Moneyball. It's my favorite. I mean, if I have to pick something other than Moneyball, uh, major league would probably be my number two. How about you? That was so funny. Major League was funny. I love the Bad News Bears. <laughs> <laughs> and Sandlot, like, I think those are, for, man, The Natural. Oh, um, The Natural's a great one. I feel like the kids haven't seen The Natural these days. Like, it's it's a longer movie. Yeah. I don't know. And then Rick and Keel ended up being, like, the real-life uh, natural yeah, it was, it was one of my favorites. There's so many good baseball movies, uh, Field of Dreams. And we actually are playing a tournament this summer in Iowa that's not far from there. So we're going to go over and see the actual Field of Dreams. So. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, I have a yep. to make a confession. Uh-oh. Bull Durham, not one of my favorites. Yeah, I saw it. I, I, don't, I remember seeing it. I honestly couldn't even tell you much about it yeah like it's like, nah, it's like a the baseball scenes are are fun because they i will yeah. say like they're pieces of that movie that like it's it's hitting on that what the minor league life is like and i liked that mm -hmm. however the, the it's like a more of a relationship movie than it is a baseball movie like i would even i would take fever yeah. pitch over bull durham <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, I, I don't. I don't need that relationship. I, I want baseball. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I'm saying it's in the same category as Fever Pitch. I'd rather watch Fever Pitch. Yeah, Fever Pitch. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, okay. I oh, and the other thing, Danny, had... Danny, one more thing, one more thing, yeah. is uh, Tim Robbins looks so unathletic when he's pitching. His <laughs> he like turns his entire body and like closes his eyes. I've never seen a pitcher do that before. It's so, it bothers me. Oh, that's so funny. It's hard to watch. But like in major okay. league, all those guys were former baseball players. Like Charlie Sheen was pitched in high school. So they all look pretty yeah. athletic and that yeah. adds the authenticity of it. Go ahead. Oh my sorry. gosh, that was so good. Major league was just, it was just fun. That's like everybody on a team has a wild thing, right? We have one on the Stones team. This little kid, country boy, Easton White is his name. He is, uh, he's got five brothers. Okay. This kid, he, he just can smoke the ball. It's fine, but you don't know where it's going to go sometimes. And you're like, I hate to be the batter. Easton White, I always think wild thing when he walks out there. Um, I meant to ask you this when a few times that we've had our conversations and I keep forgetting. If you, who is your favorite? baseball player of all time you just get to pick one i don't want one pitcher would be this and if i had i want you like just your your, your guy okay from uh, can i give you one from before that i never got to see play okay. and then one that like if there's one player okay. see, that i would have telling you all time but no that's fine because <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's so my all-time favorite as a kid was mickey mantle but i never got to actually live through watching him play 
So that's why I like to say if there's a guy that I was kind of like my favorite watching play, I would say, man, the Josh Hamilton, like three or four years, it was like living, his life was like a movie. So I'd probably say Josh Hamilton, but it's tough. There are a few others, but I won't say the others because you don't want me to. (laughs) Yeah. But that was like, I like that kind of, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of like, I think that kind of speaks to what kind of players I like, though, is kind of like that, like, five-tool player who can roam center field, has a great arm, um, and then hits for contact, hits for power. So, Mike Trout, I love watching Mike Trout, and then uh, the two from my childhood, though, that were like my heroes were Derek Lee and Ichiro. Ichiro. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How about you? Um, I, I broke your rules, my... by the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you gave me your favorite. It's okay. You can have runner-up, first runner-up, second runner-up, third runner-up, you know. Um, my all-time favorite, and I, I, we need to do a podcast where I can wear this jersey on podcast. I need to do this, okay, is Mark Gubazov. Not one of the greatest of all time, but that was my favorite player. <laughs> Royals pitcher. And I think now he may be a, like, Fox contributor, broadcaster, maybe. But I loved Mark Gubazaw. And, you know, I was, when I was a little kid, I was such a big Royals fan. And he was my favorite pitcher. And, I mean, I knew his stats. I knew everything about Mark Gubazaw. I loved him as a Royal um, and so he was actually, you would think George Brett, right? Or you think Bo Jackson for me being a baseball fan, being a Kansas City girl. Nope. Mark Gubaza, my favorite. And I have his jersey. It's got autographed like six times. Okay. Because once was not enough. And back in the day, you could go to Royal Stadium before the game and the pitchers would be behind the stadium doing sprints, warming up. And you could go back there and see them. They'd stop and talk to you. They'd sign autographs. It was the coolest thing. Like, you can't, that doesn't happen nowadays, right? It was so much fun. Um, but our son, Bo, is named after Bo Jackson. So, I mean, I, I did love Bo Jackson. And then, of course, everybody in Kansas City loves George Brett. Um, but sorry, George Brett, you're not my favorite. It's Martin Gooby. <laughs> we called him Gooby. Have everybody met, called him Gooby. Have you met Gooby? Well, no, I haven't. Um, other than just to, um, you know, when I was a little kid, getting my autograph from him behind yeah. Royal Yeah, I mean, like, there. now that you're Danny, you're Danny no. Boatwright. He hasn't you met Danny what? Boatwright. You know what? would think that was so cool if you went, you know what, Mark Gubazal, you have no idea, but this little bitty kid who was, you know, a little tomboy, little diehard Royal <laughs> player, was your favorite player. I even, when it was his birthday, August, hey, check this out. I think it's August 14th. I think that's Mark Gubazal's birthday. I think I still remember that. Let's see. It is August 14th, 1962. Good job. Wow. And I had a banner that I made and put it out the day he was pitching. And it was like his birthday. It said, happy birthday, Gooby. <laughs> <laughs> and he does, the, he does the Angels broadcast. So that I've heard him on there because I watch all these games. So I've definitely, I'll yeah. be listening for him now. It's just funny because, yeah, he played 1984 to 1997. So 13 years of the Royals. Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame, World Series champion, two-time All-Star, one year with the Angels. He works for the Angels now. Look at that. 
come back to Kansas City, Mark Gubazaw, <laughs> Gooby. Um, but yeah, as a big fan, he was so nice. I remember I was a little girl there. He was just signing my, you know, uh, jersey. I probably had a million other things that him signed there too. But anyway, he, he he was my favorite. He was just awesome. And um, yeah, wouldn't that be funny if he just knew like that little girl end up, you know, to go run on, run her up to Miss USA and one survivor and all sorts of random crazy fun things. Anyway. <laughs> Kind of fun. That's a great. We'll have to send him that clip. Hi, Gooby. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We'll see. Is he on Twitter? We can. We can. We'll do something here with this. Um. Are you? Uh. Did you? So what number was he? Twenty three. Did you wear twenty three because of him? Like, did you try to wear number twenty three when you played sports? Well, no. I would, right? No. I basketball I was number thirty-three. Um, because I was a big Larry Bird fan and um I I'd say I, mean, I was a shooter, but I mean if it were some big school, I would have never been a shooter because I went to a little school and you know, everybody plays and has a role. Anyway, no, I was I was a, a guard and I was a fan of Larry Bird. So I had number thirty-three. Um and then track and cross country, like I didn't have a number, so I don't remember if I had a number on our jerseys. I don't remember. No, I don't have think so. And on. But anyway, um, yeah, so that's what I was. And yeah. Because and I wore I wore number seven in every sport if I could, if I could pick my yeah. number. And I mean, one time, the first time I got a number, I got number six and I cried. I was so I was so mad. I was like eight years old and I wanted number seven. I was trying to get this kid to trade me the number oh and he gosh. just wouldn't do it. And I was just That's so, hilarious. Yeah. I would Mickey Mantle, number seven. Yep. Um, okay, so I if I look like I'm a little distracted here, y'all, I am just <laughs> driving up into Carloof. Hold on. And then because uh, I like to be first, you know what I mean? <laughs> <That's> so competitive. <laughs> There's one lady who always beats me, man, and I'm just like, oh, okay, what do you do that you're here earlier than I am? <laughs> I get to work my own schedule. She beats me. I swear. I think it's a contest. Or <laughs> um, there we go. Um, my kids are both number 13 baseball and stone is 16. So that makes it's funny. Cause you would think that bow would be number 16, right? Um, the bow had been number five for a long, long time and he was a third baseman and, you know, so that kind of makes sense. But now in high school, he's number 13 and that's because he's an underclassman. And so he didn't get to, you know, pick his number till the rest of them had all taken theirs. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's that. That but, makes, yeah, very cool. All right. So we only got a few more minutes here, but the draft was in Kansas city Unfortunately, sure you weren't able to you weren't able to make it, but I'm sure you've had friends who went and you kind of got to experience it a little bit from the outside. So how was that weekend? You know what? We're really fortunate because in the springtime in Kansas City, like you just don't know what kind of weather you're going to get, right? So we were pretty lucky except for one day it was super windy, so some like actor, outdoor activities were canceled and stuff uh, because of the wind. But all in all, I think Kansas City did a really great job with the draft. And you have such a great fan base here. And they all showed up. And it was, um, I think everything went really well. And from all my friends that did get to go, had a wonderful time. They're all able to park and get down there. And 
and they had a really great time. So um, I think all in all, it went really well as far as that side of things. Now it'll be interesting to see all the draft picks, how they go. But you know, my favorite part now, I, I didn't, I didn't get to watch. I think I told you that I had a ton of family in town. We yep. had all these games. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, so I kind of, you know, watch little clip that's go, you know, here and there, but I thought it was just so fun. All the, the presenters, uh, were just a real hoot. Did and, they and ask you to be a presenter? No, hell they no. Should. They should have. I mean, I would have come out there and I would have just rocked it. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, um, but like, I thought it was really cool seeing Travis Kelsey, Mama Kelsey's, you know, or Mama Kelsey, Travis Kelsey's mom out there. That was a lot of fun. And then I'm a huge Eric Stone Street fan. So he got to come out and he's a big Chiefs fan, of course. And he did a great job. Now, I can't remember who it was for the Cowboys who presented uh, their first, announced their first round draft pick. But it was funny because he was talking about respecting Kansas City and, you know, uh, what they'd accomplished and the great Lamar Hunt. But the five-time, you know, champion Cowboys, like rubbing it in that they, that we're still the little, you know, the little, little kid compared to them and, and their empire, right? <laughs> and it was really fun because the Kansas City fans were all booing and giving them a hard time. And I thought that it was a lot of fun when people come out there and talk smack. Of course, you know, that's expected, especially when you're the, the reigning Super Bowl champs. But it was a lot of fun. I thought they did a great job. What did you think about draft picks overall? Was there anyone that you were really uh, surprised by or you know disappointed with? Yeah, I think the best plays in, again, you and I have chatted about this a little bit uh, off the air, but my main thing, I watch college, I'm a much bigger college football fan than I am an NFL fan at this stage in my mm -hmm. life. Wasn't always that way. Just my love for the NFL isn't what it was in the 2000s when the game was much more physical and there was more defense. And I know we had to make some changes to make the game safer, but I also think we've gone a little too overboard where there's no more defense anymore. And yeah. So every Saturday, like my sister and I will just be watching college football as much as we can. Like I will, I have two screens. I'll just watch it all day long. Um, if I can go to a sports bar and watch even more games of that with friends, I'll do that. Like I am so locked into college football. And the thing that I pay the most attention to is quarterback performance and these quarterback prospects. And right. to me, I think what was really interesting was there was only one quarterback in this draft that I would have taken with a first-round pick, and that's Bryce Young, the number one overall pick. I think Bryce Young will be a top-10 quarterback in this league. I think he's the best passer in the league, and I know there were some reservations about his size. I don't think that's going to be a huge deal. Drew Brees had a great career as a quarterback that was you know, six foot or maybe below under six foot. So I'm not too concerned with him. I actually thought the Bears, it was interesting to me that the Bears ended up trading that first overall pick as early as they did because I'm not a big believer in Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields, there's, um, I, I get it. I know people are excited and it's fun to watch, but there's a reason why the Bears won only three games last year. And if he was a true franchise quarterback, I think you'd see, have seen a little more at this point, even if his team is terrible, you'd see yeah. a little more. Um, so to me, it was interesting that they ditched that first round pick as the number one overall pick as early as they did because they traded a month before the draft. And I, th I would think that teams would 
up their offer as you move closer to draft day. Um, so Bryce Young, clear number one quarterback. C.J. Stroud, I wasn't surprised that he was someone that was taken with a second overall pick. I am not entirely out on C.J. Stroud, but it's just like, it's like, to me, it's like if you're taking a, a quarterback with a top five pick, like that's giving, you're proposing to your girlfriend. Like you want to make sure like this is the one, right? And I just, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I did, there are question marks with <laughs> C.J. Stroud for me. Yeah. Uh, but then I was very surprised. The thing that surprised me the most was the pre-draft hype on Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, neither of whom I thought were exceptional quarterbacks in college. Um, and they had no shortage of opportunities. Neither of them showed a lot of accuracy. They both It's a similar thing where they look at the tools and they love the tools. So um, Richardson gets taken with the fourth overall pick by the Colts. And the Titans took Levis... Uh, I think it was in the second round and yeah, it was the second round. They take Will Levis and they essentially pull the plug on Malik Willis, who they drafted a year ago, um, which confirmed how I had assessed Malik Willis a year ago. I didn't think he would be a very good, I thought maybe, you know, he could have a career as a backup, but I didn't see him as a franchise quarterback. So, um, two things I found very interesting, the, the Titans pulling the plug on Malik Willis and the, after one year, and the New Orleans Saints also drafting a quarterback a year after they selected Matt Corral in the third round because they took Jake Hayner in the fourth round. So it felt like, and I I was I like Corral more than I do Willis as a as a player, and I I honestly mm-hmm. I couldn't even tell you if Corral even played this year because I didn't pay that close attention, I guess, but. Mm-hmm. So I just undermined my own credibility. However, um, (laughs) that was surprising to me to see two quarterbacks that were, you know, some of the first five quarterbacks drafted in last year's draft. Looks like the writing's on the wall and they're not going to be sticking around much longer. There's not much. They don't see those teams don't see a future for them. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about, like with the combine and stuff. You know, it's kind of like with a with a girl, right? Like a girlfriend or something. You're all the bells and whistles you're you're enticed by all this beauty and everything but then once you are like starting to date this person in this relationship and then you find out there's no substance there and the whole relationship yeah or she's crazy she's crazy or she's got no personality (laughs) and you're like oh wow i was totally just blinded by all of you know (laughs) that's by this player but then it just doesn't you know doesn't pan out did you know any of those girls in the pageant circuit were there any girls like that (laughs) oh gosh yes (laughs) So there's you, our example. <laughs> yep, yep. But I will tell you, my best friends came from the pageant world too. So I had a lot of really great friends in that world. But we've seen it all. There's a whole another. Yeah. We get a whole podcast from pageants. <laughs> uh, but pageants get a bad rap. But actually, they're. Oh, I agree. Great. I mean, I'm really close. One of my great friends, Haley Jordan, who's a sports reporter, has been on this show. Mm-hmm. She was Miss uh, Indiana, and she's just the greatest. I love her. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's so many, there's so many uh, wonderful young women and pageants that were great for helping develop, like just even with broadcasting skills, as many interviews as you go in and then you have to interview a bunch of people. It just, it's great. But anyway, I think it's exciting for me with the draft to see what happens, you know, a year, two years, a few years down the road. Cause just like Tom Brady, was he a six round? Was he a six yeah, round? Yeah, sixth rounder. Yeah. And it was, um, uh, when was it Bledsoe went down injured mm-hmm. is when Brady yep. finally got his chance. Right. Um, so to see how some of those mid to late round guys 
pan out and become superstars. And I can only imagine guys at that level are so competitive, right? So when they're when they're drafted a little later, and I'm sure they're happy they were drafted. I mean, obviously you're, you're great to have made it to that point, but have that chip on their shoulder, that competitive nature. They're like, I'm going to stick it to you. I'm going to make you wish you drafted me, you know, first round. So I like to see a few years down the road how how they pan out. It's fun to go back and look at. And I think this year in the draft that they did show. Um, I don't know if it was on you know day two or whatever, but some of the former draft picks and how some you know were you know, end up being a disappointment in some ways. And that's always kind of that's just interesting, right? So, you know, it'd be fun to really look through the draft. And, like, I obviously have been so – I could tell you so much about youth baseball, right? And um, <laughs> high school baseball's top players, top teams in the country. But because uh, that's my life right now. Back in the day, I was really into football because, I mean, I was hosting a fantasy football show. But um, it would be fun to really get invested and see uh, who, you know, who was picked in, picked in, picked in late rounds. <laughs> And I'm watching kids as they're coming out here from school. Um, and then what they end up doing here in a few years, you know, how that works out. Who yeah, one really of the superstars out of this class. 100%. I mean, I think last year, I mean, last year, Brock Purdy was the last pick of the draft. He was Mr. Irrelevant. And yep. he had the best year of any rookie quarterback last year. Was he Iowa State? Yeah. Iowa State. Yeah. I, I liked him as a prospect. I t- I I said on a podcast, I can pull the clip and send it to you. I said it with my buddy Chase Beebe in 2020, his, uh, his junior year, um, which is a COVID year, and I said, I think he'll have like a Case Keenum-like career where he'll have that, op- he'll have opportunities to start. Okay. Or Nick Foles. I, that was the other one I compared him to, is I think he yeah. could be like that career backup or fringe starting quarterback, and he could end up being even better than that. Yeah, it was a really neat story, and a lot of people were really rooting for him. How how long is he out now? He's, well, if he's having Tommy John, I imagine he's going to miss this year. This year, yeah. I can't remember with Tommy John how long. Yeah, that recovery. It's typically, it like a back year stronger with after Tommy John. Like it's not, you know, like if you have you know, other injuries, some of them can be. Yeah, you come back, but you're not going to quite be. You can from Tommy John, right? Yeah, the guys throw harder after they have Tommy John. That's what okay. Arrestus Destrade said that on last week's show. He's like, do you remember Arrestus when he played? He was on the Marlins. He was on Baseball Tonight. Yeah. So yep. he was on our show last week. He's like, yeah, guys throw harder after they have Tommy John. Huh. Bryce Harper, by the way, just got back from Tommy John. That's Jack. <laughs> <laughs> that's child abuse. <laughs> oh, that's gosh. like uh, Bryce Harper. Well, that's like another. Oh no, I'll go. I'll talk about Harvard in a second. But that's like that. Uh, the rookie of the year. That movie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was a cute movie. That was fun. It was a yeah. good one. Yeah, and yep. another good baseball. A couple other good baseball movies that are like a little underrated. Not really ones you think of right away. Forty two is a great oh, yeah. movie. Yeah. Like oh, that yeah. might be that has an argument to be the best. Like I think that's yeah. that good. Um, yeah. My favorite from my childhood was The Rookie with Dennis Quaid. I love that yep. movie. Yep. And then another one that's underrated. There's a lot of good baseball movies. So many. The other one that's underrated is Sugar. I don't know if you ever saw Sugar. Uh-uh. They haven't seen that one. It's about the players uh-huh. that come from the Dominican Republic and try to. Uh, it's it's a fictional story, but it's based off of like that. kind of. They stay with the host right, family. Sure. What's that life like for them? And they get signed for like a sack of potatoes, and they're just trying to come to America and create a better life for themselves. And that's a good one. Yeah. 
yeah, I'll have to check that out. Honestly, hadn't even heard of it before. Probably have, I just don't remember, but... <laughs> it's good. It's really good. Yeah, so Bryce Harper had Tommy John surgery in, right after Thanksgiving, and he just returned to the Phillies lineup two weeks ago, which is, like, okay. record time. Now, granted, he's not a pitcher, so he's huh. going to be playing first base and DHing for a while. He's not really going to be throwing, but it reminds me a little bit of when... Albert Pujols had that shoulder injury and he couldn't mm -hmm. throw and he was playing third mm -hmm. base and outfield and Larusa put him at first base because he's like, we can't lose that bat from our lineup. Yeah, yeah. I loved Albert Pujols. I do. That's I love Albert another Pujols. Another great one. He's awesome. Yep. Another great, great one. Great guy. You know, in Kansas City, you hear everybody's a big, you know, big Albert Pujols fan. So. Oh, great. That's yeah. awesome. Oh, well, yeah. I figure you're going to have to run here. So is there anything else for us today, Danny? Um, no, but I think I need to come on occasionally because I'm have to give you, I, I just have to give you youth baseball updates and the story <laughs> things that, that go on. Don't catch Danny on a bad day. <laughs> oh, your head I, off. <laughs> I agree with you. We forgot to touch on though. Uh, Kansas just landed a big time transfer. Hunter Dickinson. Woohoo. Just give us the national champion right now. <laughs> Natty champs. Woohoo. Gonna happen. <laughs> We've got that big seven foot. I think he's seven foot one, maybe seven one. Maybe he's just seven foot, but yeah, he's seven footer. I know that. Yeah, it's a big boy. Yep. Now many. We'll have a lot. We'll have a lot of others. I just don't. I don't like the transfer portal, though. I really don't. I don't think it's good for college sports. Do you think it's going to get better? That, but, Do you think huh? it's going to get better because? We're in this weird spot where we gave all these kids an extra year of eligibility, as yeah. we, which I think was a good thing to do because of COVID. Unfortunately, the senior class from the year before that didn't get to end their careers properly. Right. Um, but we've, we're going to have this time period for the uh, probably a couple more years where we have way more bodies and athletes in the sport than there are roster spots. So yeah. that's a big reason why we have so much transferring. I'm just wondering if, if that's going to get better three years right. from now, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I would think so. I sure as heck ho hope so. I just don't like it. I just don't like after the end of the year, all of a sudden, Oh, well, so-and-so is transferring the portal on so-and-so and so-and-so. And now my, um, cousin's daughter, I call my niece. We're all very, very close. Her name's Mia Barnett. She runs track for UCLA she was at Virginia and after her first year, she entered it so she could go to UCLA because her dad had had a stroke and she's from California, wanted to go back home, wanted to be around, wanted him to be able to watch her run. So, I mean, there are some, you know, some things that are positive about it and, and good for the kids. So I certainly understand that, but it's just hard as a fan base to see that happen, not developing teams and people just being able to go, you know, you know, willy nilly here or there. And, um, it's just a little frustrating as a fan, but I, I think with, I, I think it will, I'd say in about three years. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm glad that we have a looser transfer rules because I mean, I transferred schools after my sophomore year. So just think about if I got to Valparaiso university, I transferred in and it's like, Hey, guess what? You can't do radio or newspaper for a whole year. You have to sit out yeah. because he transferred. Right. Like that that would stink. So I'm glad that and I just I had to transfer cuz I had a better situation. Um and it just kind of was the right move for me personally. 
Now, well, the thing, yes. No, no, no. Say, I probably would feel differently about this once my kids are in college if they are playing, you know, collegiate mm-hmm. sports. Um, but you have a different take on it too because if you get caught in the wrong system and you just yeah. know you better somewhere else. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, just yeah. No, I I agree with that too because you want what's best for your kids. I think the biggest problem, and maybe over time, kids are going to learn something from this and families are going to learn from this. I went to Valparaiso University, schools in the Missouri Valley Conference, and it's not just a Valpo thing. And Missouri Valley is pretty high in terms of conferences. Like, that's maybe a top 10 conference for basketball. But then you go kind of even lower down on that. And the thing that I've noticed is like so many kids that are, that are, uh, college athletes student athletes they have a an uncle or a family member that's like my kid can move up and play at illinois from valpo Mm -hmm. or loyola or whatever and there's like this idea it's like a it's not even a thing that i think is big with the actual kids it's like the parents and the family members who think that okay my kid's gonna go to valpo or they're gonna go to drake or or Toledo or whatever it is and they're going to establish themselves and then they're going to go up and play at Iowa or they're going to play at DePaul or they're going to and it's like they can do that but we're seeing so many kids that are transferring and then not playing at those schools they have an opportunity to be you know a, a key star or a first or second or third option on a team that's in a smaller conference Versus going to a bigger school where they're a bench player, they're a role player, and if mm-hmm. you want your kid to play professionally, because that's the end goal. If if you're if you're pressuring your kid or your nephew or whomever it is, your grandson, to switch schools, it's because you think they're going to play professionally, and this is the the process. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're going to go to this school. It doesn't work that way. You're better off letting your kid play at a school where he's going to get the ball in his hands and he's going to get a chance to. Yeah to make a name for himself. Yeah. And there's a lot of kids who come from a smaller school and have been greatly, you know, greatly <laughs> had great success in, in professional sports. Look at, um, Steph Curry. Yep. You know, so wherever you're going to go to play Davidson, he played, played a lot. <laughs> it's great. Um, it would have been interesting if the portal was around transfer portal was around when Steph Curry was playing, if he would have. Yeah. After it. Davidson what would have happened well that's I mean so that's what I think will be interesting is if we're 10 years from now are people going to learn the lessons of like you know what I shouldn't be pressuring my kid to transfer school because I've seen it and like these kids don't all maybe some of them want to leave but a lot of them they're just their families telling they're in their ear oh I think you could you could go start at whatever school this is so that's a thing that we're noticing but by the way I want to give a shout out real quick Ben Cricky, great friend of mine, uh, played at Valpo for four years. His head coach was let go. He did not want I And shortly after, I don't want to put words in Ben's mouth, but shortly after our head coach got let go, Ben announced he was transferring. Um, I know he loved Valpo. I think he saw a good opportunity for himself, and now he's going to go play at Iowa for his fifth year. Um, and he was someone that I saw Kansas fans wanted Kansas to pick up. He's not a seven footer. I think he's six nine or six ten, but he's a great scorer and he's a center. So well, very excited for him. He's still gonna be a hawk. He's gonna be a hawk eye. 
We're not hawks at Valpo. Between Iowa and Kansas, my house. Oh, sorry, what was that? Although, my husband went to Iowa. Oh. Yeah, we're a house divided. However, I think I'm winning that battle. I think Stone and and Bo are more Jayhawk fans now. (laughs) 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 Well, Little Stone and our neighbor kids, who I'm on, like I said, I'm on car loop duty this week, are getting ready to come out. So it'll get rowdy here in a second. All right. um, Okay, so listen, I know you have lots of superstars that you like to bring on your show, and I'm just... Danny from Danny from the block, right? <laughs> Danny from the block. So, uh, but hey, I love getting to come on and chat. So, um, next time you want to have me on, Jack, I'm sure I'll have another fun little league <laughs> story. Just call me Rocky. So. <laughs> I'm certain we'll be we'll be hearing from you soon, Danny. Thank you so much for yes. coming on. Uh, talk again soon. <laughs> yes. God bless. Talk to you later, Jack. All right, that concludes our episode today with Danny Boatwright. Thank you all for joining us. It was great to have her back on the show. I know that she wanted to talk some sports the last time she was on. Unfortunately, her busy schedule did not allow for us to go deeper into sports. So today we talked some sports. Uh, it was really fun because it was just a free-flowing conversation. We didn't really have many we didn't really have any bullet points of topics. We just kind of wanted to chat and see where we went with it with some general ideas of what we want to talk about. So that was a lot of fun and we'll be back again soon. So next week we're going to do something with the PGA championship uh, contributor to the show, a longtime friend of the podcast, Garrett Powell from uh, The Bachelorette. He finished fifth on Hannah Brown's season. He will be back on this show for the first time in over a year. We're going to talk some golf. So how about that? We're going to talk some golf. Uh, As I mentioned, for you Survivor fans, Brooke Struck Stevens from Danny's season, Survivor Guatemala. We're going to have her on later this month, um, potentially next week. We'll see. Maybe it's two weeks. Uh, But that'll be coming up. And then we're going to have some other baseball episodes coming out soon. So make sure you're out on the lookout for that. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, hit subscribe and also turn on that bell so you get notifications whenever I have new content out there. Most of the people who listen and watch are not subscribed. um, But if you're able to subscribe and turn on those notifications, that would be a huge help to me. Allow me to... Keep chugging along here with the Jack Vita show as I'm in year six now of doing the show. It's hard to believe. Um, but yeah, make sure you guys are subscribed. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Spotify. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Jack Vita Show. And until our next episode, I'm Jack Vita bringing the dancing lobsters. <laughs>